Ladies and gentlemen, one, two, three, four. Want to be better, richer, happier? Of course you do. Welcome to the Be Less Crap podcast. Let's go. A podcast devoted to helping you become a less mediocre human. With your host, very much a work in progress herself, Charlotte Sherston. Hello and welcome. My name is Charlotte and this is the Be Less Crap podcast. Today's guest is the rather fabulous writer, researcher and storyteller Maggie Hamilton. Um, she's written stacks of books that a lot of them really explore what the current landscape of our lives look like and um, digs into what we can do to make our lives better. Maggie, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Delicious to be with you, Charlotte. Oh, delicious. I love that. Um, your latest <laughs> book and the one that we're going to be sort of rummaging around in today is When We Become Strangers. And this explores the way, the sort of unexpected ways that loneliness seeps into our lives and what we can do to counteract that. So let's just start by talking about exactly what we mean by loneliness. I know it sounds silly, but what is it exactly and, and how might we spot it showing up in our lives, would you say? Oh, this is really interesting, Charlotte, because when I started off on this journey, um, because I'm always curious when people make comments, you know, like we're living in a society that's fracturing, and that doesn't mean anything to me. I like to get in there and see what, what it means for each one of us. I thought it was just about us feeling a bit disconnected from the world out there. But as I got into it, I realized, actually, you know what, we're becoming disconnected uh, from ourselves because we're having so much of our lives curated for us and you know we rush off to see the latest movie and try it, the latest restaurant or whatever but what I realize is starting to happen to us as well is that sometimes we don't know why we're doing what we're doing because we like it or because we're kind of running on on a, on a kind of loop that might not be taking us places and the third aspect of it which I think is really interesting is that I think we've forgotten our biology and that is that we are sensory beings you know touch taste smell etc and it's also when we get ourselves in situations where all those senses come alive that we feel alive and we feel connected so there's kind of three parts to it you know, relating to people out there, relating to ourselves and giving our biology a bit of a zizz up so that we do have that feeling of being alive in the moment and, you know, wanting to embrace the day. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you say about that. And you mentioned it sort of towards the conclusion of the book as well, very much that we're very much stuck in our heads yeah. and as a lot of us know, our heads can be a pretty messed up place and <laughs> and right. we say pretty mean things to ourselves. And and so that, if we're in our heads, we're not in our bodies and, and that kind of contributes to that disconnection and loneliness. What I found interesting was when I think of loneliness, I think of, you know, a sad person sitting on their bed on their own crying Absolutely. Or, or, yeah. or something. And it isn't necessarily that. I got this email, no. email today saying, um, you know, seven habits of lonely people and there was one that, you know, people are always busy. And I never think of a yep. lonely person as busy. No, that's right. And and this is a really interesting thing because what I come to through looking at, you know, all aspects of this, it's dozens of tiny little habits that we fall into um, that actually that we're actually adding to our loneliness every day. As you say, the busyness being in our heads. And let's face it, you know, with Netflix, um, streaming has become extremely seductive and uh, 
let's be honest, during COVID, I think it has saved us sometimes because it's the, the most interesting thing that's happened to us in a day. But, you know, if, if we're so lost in Bridgerton that we, you know, or we can think about it, that it's more important catching up with the Duke of Norfolk than it is going have and having a coffee or a drink with our friends or even just, you know, connecting with them by ringing them up rather than texting then we're actually we're actually adding to the cracks of the glue and you know when things are going well that mightn't seem such a big deal but you know we all hit those brick walls and that's when we get to the pointy end of things that we suddenly realize that yeah we're connected with lots of people on Instagram etc but how many meaningful connections do we have when we just want to stay in bed and sob because we are feeling not bad about or it might be bad about ourselves, or it might be something that's happened to us in life because life does take us down sometime and but the the other side of that is the joy of connection and what I've come to is we've got to Charlotte we've got to get less interested in perfect and we've got to become a bit more um, comfortable with imperfect and a bit of messiness so that rather than trying to stage the most fabulous dinner party ever and perfectly plated everything that we we might just gather a group of friends together and just ask everybody to bring a dish horror you know we haven't done it all ourselves but guess what so we all bring a dish and what we're all focused on is actually being with each other because you're not in the kitchen plating and and putting stuff in the dishwasher when everybody's, you know, and everybody's having fabulous conversation out there and you're in the kitchen because you're, you know, trying to make it all happen. Oh, I used to have a lot of those sort of dinner parties. And literally about <laughs> 20 minutes before everyone would arrive, it was like classic timing. I'd have a meltdown. Like my husband would be like, what, what's going on? I thought we're having people over. You want to do Yes, I want to do this. But I, and I'd have this complete stress attack. And these are my yeah. friends that I'm having over <laughs> to my own house. So I, I, I totally relate. I think a lot of us probably haven't had dinner parties and entertained as much. So, no, you no, know, no. Um, it, it's, it's been a weird old year and your book very much feeds into that. But regardless of COVID, and I think we can, it's very easy to use that as an excuse for everything. I think prior to that, this has been seeping insidiously into all aspects of our lives. Unfortunately, a lot of the things you bring up in the book that sort of are creating this sense of loneliness are all things that we think are giving us pleasure. Now, that's a really good point. And I think this is it. And I think one of the key words around this to kind of catch ourselves um, in this is the word passive. So, you know, we think of passive entertainment. And, hey, I love the Scandi Noir. I really do. After a busy day, sit down, you know, um, watch a, a dark Scandi Noir, and I feel quite, you know, I love the catharsis of it. But the thing is... Um, is to ask ourselves, is this a passive thing we're doing? And other, the other thing is to just ask ourselves afterwards, you know, did that deliver? You know, so okay, I enjoyed my Scandi Noir, but does it compare with, you know, a cheap eats down the road with a couple of friends who we love, who we have a good laugh, nobody's had to do any cooking, and it's all about just connecting in with each other's lives and, and the ups and downs of each other's lives. And that's what we need. We need less passivity. And that also feeds into the biological us. And that's why getting out in nature into a park 
and it seems so simple that it's almost stupid. But, you know, that 20 minutes walk in a park, nature, particularly if we don't have uh, earphones in, nature feeds every part of us. You know, we get the smells, we get the sounds, we get the sights, we get the touch if we want to touch the bark of a tree or smell a flower whatever it is and that's one of the reasons which blew me away why nature is so good for us because it feeds every part of us we come back and we're kind of fizzing and we're ready to go with whatever else we have to do and and what I like about looking into this Charlotte is the solutions are actually quite simple. We're not actually having to go off and do a PhD about this or, you know, make it hard. Simple little tricks where we can turn the corner, get our curiosity going and get that connection going. Oh, I agree with you. And I mean, it's ridiculous because it's, it's stuff that we've known for so many years. Be yeah. it, you know, meditating, drinking water, eating real food, being out in nature, connecting with people. There, there's maybe 10 or 12 things that half the self-help industry is, is, is recreating those 10 or 12 things in different ways. And, Absolutely. But somehow we need to find that little crack that allows us to go, oh, yeah. And the, the walking thing is so true because I tend to walk and then I'll be listening to a podcast. And I was listening yeah, yeah. to podcasts, as I saw someone was doing in your book. I used to listen to them uh, a speed and a half so that oh, I could get through really relaxing. Um, so I'm listening to people like this. And eventually I heard these people in real life and I thought, why are they talking so slowly? Um, so, yeah, I think the thing of not turning your headphones straight on, and I mean, this is going to sound really dumb, but my husband and I are happily married. So obviously we wake up, turn away from each other and, and pick up our phones. So I've been trying to before I pick up my phone, turn around and hug my husband or say, hi, morning. And it's touching someone, not our phone. Absolutely. And um, looking at our kids, you know, they are so lacking touch, some of our kids, that they're actually now getting um, illnesses that we associate with elderly people like fibromyalgia. And, And touch is just, you know, getting them sitting with us with our arm around them while we're doing things and the comfort of them um being able to hear our voice with their head against our chest and so forth is immensely comforting to kids but we've forgotten that so we're rushing around you know trying to get the latest toy do this do that and um, slip into entertaining our kids rather than um you know helping them find their way to see the world we need to step back a bit in terms of not becoming the all sing, singing or dancing mum and dad because it's too exhausting and one of the ways our loneliness and you know parenting can be very lonely you know families scattered all over the place now um, suburbs emptying uh, at least before COVID for people working and so not that lovely uh, mix of people that you can relate to if you're at home as a parent um, is that we fall into uh, explaining online our whole lives Mm. sharing everything and that actually is another sign of loneliness we're far better to go out for a walk with the baby catch up with and have a cup of coffee and to start to connect with people in our local village, our local shops, get to know their names. 
And for any mum at home, I would suggest cultivating, not only do you need mums around you, but you actually need um, people of different generations. And and for a young mum who's feeling vulnerable, there is nothing like an older woman friend. She's at a different stage of life. She's got a sense of humour. She can put perspective on it. Don't worry, this won't last forever. Perspective, humour, stories that will lift you up make that cup of tea, slice of whatever for you, hug, and who will li- who's a deep listener because they're at a stage of life where they're more able to listen um, and feel more chilled about everything. And it's as good as therapy. And I like those- that. I didn't even th- – it's not something that's come up before, but I think the idea of having a, an older friend who, who comes without the complications and stress of a, of a parent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, we've got to get out of our generational silos because look it's very comforting to be with people our own age because they're all going through the same stuff but when you step back a bit you realize what you're doing is you're deep diving into a pool where you know you've got your issues and they've got the same issues and same issue and so like it's like oh my god this you know our lives are just full of all these same issues Life's really bad. But if you're dealing with people of different generations, then they've got different issues that are not playing at your buttons. So it's like, oh, this is good. You know, I feel, you know, it kind of puts my stuff into perspective. You know, perhaps perhaps I did overreact this morning when that happened. And, you know, that was really funny exchange. There was nothing angsty about it. And and on we go. And uh so that is another way that loneliness has crept in. Is so diversity of, of friendship groups. I think that's absolutely really good because, I mean, they always talk about, you know, the importance of strong ties. So when you were talking yep. about we all connect on, online, but maybe we don't have anyone we could call at three in the morning. So I, I remember reading, like, if you've got two or three people that you can call at three in the morning in floods of tears, then you have some strong ties. That's what I'd call it a strong tie. Absolutely. But, but then equally, I was reading about weak ties, which is sort of what you were saying before for mums if they're out just go to your cafe go to the same cafe so you've got your friendly barista who you're just a hi hey it's it's nothing but those weak ties apparently the people who have the most of those are the happiest most definitely and you know what cafes I always feel I mean I'm a great cafe girl and I always feel they're kind of like being back with mum in the kitchen you know, somebody else is making the food for you and, hey, you might only be having a cup of coffee, but someone else is having a bacon egg sandwich. You can, you know, you hear the egg crackling, you can smell the bacon, um, you know, and it's that comfort of people's needs being taken care of. Then you start to get to know the barista and you find a little bit about their lives. Could be quite different from your own. And this is what we also need to do is we start to embrace difference again because we've started to live in our own silos a bit too much and diversity is really good. And, you know, it may be way out of your comfort zone. I mean, it might be a mad boxing freak and you might not be remotely interested in boxing. One of the things that was really kind of got me fascinated, I mean, there's so many things I've learned during during the, the book, but one is that to create a community, we don't all have to be like each other or agree. 
And in fact, the best communities are where we kind of have to negotiate the fact that we have different views on things and be curious about why that person has those views and we have different views um, because it makes life interesting. And it's not about then trying to make that person believe what you believe. Just accept that they have a different view. Yeah, and that kind of, that adds another fizz to the moment because it's like, well, God, that's really interesting. I mean, it might be, or it might be, well, that's really weird, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And you go and, you know, when you catching up with friends, you say, you think that's weird. Well, let me tell you what happened to me the other day. And so can you see how it starts to create a fabric that um, is, is, I use the word delicious already. It's more supportive. It's supportive and it's, it, it kind of inspires us and it, it stretches out of us out of our comfort zone into a into a space where you feel like, oh, I can breathe more, you know? There's a bigger world that's holding me up than I thought. Yeah, I think the thing, it comes down, as you say, to being curious and to asking questions. I mean, I, I, in my uh, day-to-day job, I help people move to Australia. So I, I'm, I'm often wow. in a car for eight hours, taking people around to houses and schools. And some people I'm like, oh, I've got nothing in common with this person. <laughs> That's but I, I have to find something. And if you yeah. realize that nobody's really boring, everyone's interesting about something, it's just trying to find what, what gets them excited and then asking them yeah. about that. So it's, it's a learning opportunity. It is. And, you know, I think, um, look, we all enjoy a bit of reality TV, but I think one of the um, downsides for us is that it started to get us thinking uh, in people in terms of winners and losers. And that's a very dark way to see the world because let's face it, Charlotte, we're all dazzling at some things, even if it's just one thing, and, and the stuff we're absolutely crappy about. So when we start to not judge people as being uh, winners or losers, then we start to discover all sorts of interesting things, as you say, about them. Everybody has a story. So one of the things that um, a group of friends we've decided to do um, here in Sydney is that, you know, we live in the inner city and we love life here, but we've decided to go out to different suburbs out west <clears throat> which have different ethnic groups and we choose a mum and dad uh, little restaurant, poor mica tables. We want simple, but we want those mum and dad little places that have really good ethnic food, whatever it is. So we've been out and we've had Sri Lankan that will blow your socks off. We've had, you know, different Arabic foods, Persian foods, Afghani foods. And what we also do is we go to the providors in those places. So we go to the little grocery store. Support local, yeah. We support local, but also we find stuff we've never come across before, like carrot jam, rose, you know, things steeped in rose water that you'd never dream of that make your toes curl. So, you know, we're wandering around these uh, little stores buying stuff and they're thrilled that we're interested and then we go to the mum and dad restaurant and we have amazing food but we get to know the mum and dad and a bit about their story and how they came to Australia and then we uh you know we go home and and we've had a more complete view of our city so you know it's that pushing out all the time just to try new experiences and hey you know there might be times we enjoy one place more than another doesn't matter we, 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 we're embracing with life 
we, we're um, embracing aliveness. Well, it's and all that sensory thing as well, isn't it? It's, it's like the reason we travel. Thing. We want to be brought somewhere different and different cultures and smells and tastes. And I agree. I think that feeds our soul. And a lot of us aren't doing the traveling now. So that's a, a terrific way to, to get a, a sense of that without having to leave too far from home. Absolutely. And I think this is the thing. It's to start to make life an adventure and see others as an adventure. See also, I love the, the French idea of being the flaneur, um, and that is those who just wander either a city you know or don't know, and you go down the little alleyways, you try that funny little place that you've always been wanting to have a coffee at, or you go into that funny little second-hand place that seems to be drawing you in and you you know it's full of interesting bric-a-brac and the owner is some wildly eccentric wonderful person who tells you some story that you know you dine out for six months on and and so then whether it's your own city or when we can travel again another city um you know you kind of get get under the skin of it and you get to know it to a new level and um, that's when life starts to constantly open up with us. And then you get to the stage, I think, where, you know, my husband does say this of me because I do love people, I have to say. And I am one of those, Charlotte, confession time. If I'm on a bus or any form of public transport and I hear an interesting conversation, I can't help but, you know, my, my husband, I do, or I just sit and listen and he says, stop staring, you know, but. I, you know, then you get to the stage where you never meet a stranger, whether you're in the third world or wherever you are, because you find each other, you find that point of fascination. And well, I think if, you, if you're interested, you're always going to be interesting. And I, I think yeah. we're, we're talking here about all the, the rich ways that we can improve maybe our day-to-day life. I think, I mean, some of the things that we've touched on, I'm not even going to dig into social media because we know that's the problem for almost every modern day malaise, but... Yeah, yeah. I was reading the other day about doom scrolling, which I thought was quite interesting, Ooh. which is when people go to bed and they just start, you know, scrolling, reading about COVID or politics, and you just get deeper and deeper into this neggy news cycle. And, and you talk yeah. a bit about what we consume. I think they said that since the 80s, we consume five times more content than we used to, which is the equivalent of 175 newspapers, which I, I thought was staggering because no one would read 175 newspapers, no, but no, apparently no, no. we do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So well, well, that's it. Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of what we absorb by watching on TV or reading, we should try and be a little bit more careful about curating that. Do you agree? I do. And, you know, I have to do this with myself because I am naturally, you know, in terms of drama, I, I do quite like the noir. But um, recently we've discovered... Um, uh, Kim's Convenience, which is a, a wonderful Canadian uh, show, and it's set in a convenience store run by some Korean people. It's wonderfully politically incorrect, and it's screamingly funny. And so now we've decided that before we go to bed, if we've had some Scandi Noir, we're going to have half an hour of Kim's. Just so, to, to dilute it. So that we can go to bed all happy. And we do. We've noticed a huge difference in <laughs> Yeah, no, a friend of mine said, I was recommending shows to him, and he said, well, can you recommend me something without murder? And I, I scrolled right. back, and I was like, oh, geez, it's all rape, murder. It's, it's, it's horrendous. I don't know why we sit and want to be fascinated about this serial killer stuff, but we do. We do. Um, so, I, I mean, a lot of us aren't reading real books now, but 
Uh, books was another way that they were saying that we can cultivate empathy for people who have different opinions to ourselves and learn absolutely. about different things. So I, I think we should embrace that too. I think that's absolutely right. I think fiction um, particularly is wonderful at taking you into to deep dive into lives that are very, very different from your own. The other thing that I, I found fascinating in, in, you know, looking at all the things I've looked at is also how we can change by changing the design of cities quite in a minor way, we can make them spaces where people really want to linger, that even the facades of buildings, depending on the facade we choose, can either make people feel uh, safe and connected and wanting to connect in with others, or they can start to feel like it's kind of a bit uncomfortable and you know, somebody comes up to talk to them, they'd rush rush past. So this feeds back into our biology again, which I think is really interesting. And there's a guy called Jan Gale who's a Danish architect and quite brilliant. He's 80 now. And he discovered that, um, you know, we can still have our high-rise cities, et cetera, but at street level we need what he calls human scale and it's a measurable scale that makes us feel safe. And he's starting to, what well, he's been doing it for a while now, work on this scale around the world. Would you believe cities like Melbourne with its little alleyways, with its pedestrian, greater pedestrian um, thoroughfares are based on his um, concepts? And, you know, people go to Melbourne, come back for the weekend or whatever, when we can get there and back. And, and they comment on, oh, I love it because of the alleyways and the, the little places we go to. I think we've got some very exciting possibilities for the future around this. If you look at Copenhagen, for instance, parents can cycle across a city, that city, with little ones from five safely. And by te 10, children can be walking across that city on their own or cycling alone completely safely. And um, he also has created something where he said, you know, and of course we, we, we experience this in cafe situations where we create situations where we can be alone together. So if we design things a certain way. If we feel safe, we, we feel less lonely. Yeah, it's because otherwise yeah, we're fearful. We can and... be on our own. But we can be enjoying everybody around us because everything feels safe and nurturing and, you know, everybody's going about doing what they do. So this is going to be available to us for cities in the future. And I think this is very, very exciting that with just small tweaks to streetscape design, we can totally transform how we feel in that space. And how we behave. And what we do in it. Yeah. I mean, obviously there are, I, mean, I remember reading some study about how they're trying to create cities that are more walkable, as you say, because if people yeah, yeah, can yeah. walk and have nature involved. So there, there's the kind of, from your book, I, I've kind of, I've even written a list, big things, um, you know, <laughs> like help the emerging generations and have better relationships with our devices. But then I was sort of digging down into the small things and, because some of this can seem a bit overwhelming and just almost too hard. But I mean, I think even when you were saying, even if you're having a conversation with someone, just having your phone on the table is a huge distraction. So put yep. that in your bag. Yep. It's a tiny thing, but just being yep. conscious of 
how we can create more like genuine connection because we could all have those fake silly conversations and the weak ties and the barista that's all fine but we do need to have some sense where we can be really vulnerable and open with people um absolutely and maybe that comes down to asking different questions I read somewhere they said don't ask people what do you do say what are you passionate about and I love what it. a different answer would you get so really what? trying to yeah ask interesting questions Absolutely. And, and, you know, that, that thing of being present in the moment, which I know, you know, sounds so vague, but if we look at it in a wedding situation, for instance, um, wedding photographers now are having huge difficulty getting those, those pictures for the bride and groom because everybody's now taking photos. So as the bride comes up the aisle, instead of just taking in her dress, and taking in the vibe of the moment, everybody's trying to get the perfect shot. And, and so it's things like now people are starting to ask people not to take photos during those moments because um, nobody's actually present at it. And it's little things like um, they did a, a study of museums and they found that people who wandered around just taking photos all the time had virtually no recall about the things they'd taken the photos of or where in the museum, as opposed to the people who'd just gone in to enjoy the experience. And they had great recall about and, and a lot of detail that they'd taken in about different objects. And I think this is the other thing is that because we have this huge amount of information coming at us, we have to gently but firmly constantly push back. Otherwise, we find while we think we're capturing the moment, we're not actually capturing it because we can't remember it. We remember where where the photo was, but we don't remember the actual ex that we took of something in in the museum. But we don't actually recall in detail that half an hour, an hour we spent at, at an art gallery it's or depressing, museum isn't or it? somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think um, as you say, the sort of taking photos takes people out it sort of distances you from where you actually are yep. um and the other thing you were saying that's like people who are sitting on the sofa and you're eating your food and watching Bridgerton again that's a mindless thing I know you also eat a lot more when you eat mindlessly and unconsciously so right. you urge people a lot sitting together eating together or even watching tv together Yes, yes. And then discussing it afterwards. That's the other thing I think. There comes a lot of joy. I mean, to me, um, I love going to the movies. But equally, having seen a movie, I love sitting with friends and asking them, you know, what did you think of that? Or I wasn't sure about that, you know, but and that's why, you know, people love book clubs. It's not about us all having the same view as when we've read the book, it's actually about, oh, well, I never thought about that. Um, or I really didn't like it, but now you've said it, I can see that was really clever. Or And suddenly the experience of reading is magnified 10 times. And um, the Danes um, talking about what your, what's your passion, that wonderful question to ask Charlotte, the Danes um, are one of the happiest groups of people on earth. And they are, great joiners of clubs and interest groups and the average Dane has four or five interest groups that they belong to and they're very passionate about them 
And if you think you've got in a month, because, you know, we're not meeting these people every day, but around a month, uh, we might meet these different groups of people. Then you've got five lots of people who you mightn't see between the groups, but you arrive and you're all passionate about that wrong one thing. You might be very different, uh, you know, in terms of background and other things you like, um, where you live and what you do. But you have a rich month ahead of you because you've got these five passions. It doesn't have to be five because that might sound a bit <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I know what you mean, but it's, it's different groups. It's but like you know I always said, I mean? to, said to the kids that, you know, they might do school sport, but then it's also great to do club sport or be a member of something out of that. So they're not just re- restricted to that school group so that they, they're, they're, you know, meeting different people from different backgrounds and, and, and having different experiences. I think one of the things that I found interesting about the book is, is somewhere I read that the secret to happiness is we're scientifically proven if we, if we find that balance between pleasure and purpose, because we all know pleasure. Pleasure is eating yeah. Uber Eats on the sofa, drinking too much, taking recreational drugs, shagging yeah. people we shouldn't. We can all do that. And it's all pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. But you know how gross you feel after that, that you yeah. just feel ugh, empty. So it's, yeah. it's combining those things with things that matter and mean things. And, you know, and that's often doing things for other people, not me, 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 the narcissism that you talk about. It's a balancing. It's, it, and it's the other things often that give us that, um, that reason to jump out of bed in the morning and to feel that we're part of something bigger than us. I think that's another thing, to connect to something that is beyond our own personal needs um, is very exciting and uh, gives us a whole different way of being in the world um, rather than, as as has happened to us, uh, where we've become more and more concerned about how we are and how we are in the world and what's happening it all gets a little bit too um, monochromatic. Well, I think uh, I think the thing is, it all comes back to all of us want to just to be seen and to be heard. Unfortunately, yep. I think we're using the wrong channels. So instead of on Instagram going, "Look what I did! Look what I look who I am!" We need to actually find real people and and I know it's hard a lot of the people listening are still in lockdown so you know whether it be zoom or a phone call instead of a text um, I, I've started sending out cards once a month to and it, not a Gorgeous. birthday card but just to a friend who you know broke up with a boyfriend or whatever and it's old-fashioned stuff but that really makes people happier if you're actually acknowledging them with something really that's got a little bit of substance to it absolutely Charlotte and I think the thing is sometimes why we steer clear when friends are having a bad time um, is that, and we don't make those personal gestures, is that we're worried we don't have the solution or that we might say something. I know when, you know, I had my first experience of a friend who was dying and, you know, going into the hospice was the most terrifying thing I'd ever done because I just didn't want to stuff it up. You know, someone's dying. You don't want to stuff up. That mm, what experience. the hell do I say? Yeah. And what I realized, what that dear friend Jim taught me was it's actually about showing up. And sometimes all you need to do is to listen and let the person download and to 
acknowledge that this is a what I tend to say is to friends is it's a big time. You know, you're going through a big time. I like that big time. Yeah. And and that doesn't big time doesn't rather than saying a sad or an awful big, it's like, yeah, well, it's big. And and just that, you know, you might reach out and just take their hand, you buy them a coffee, you take them for the walk in the park, you make them a meal I'm not saying you have to do all those things no but you're seeing them and you're hearing them. you're seeing them and they're being heard and that is the greatest gift we can give people we don't have to be the psychologist we don't have to be the counselor we just need to turn up and listen and if we can and where it's appropriate make them laugh you know with with something funny that's happened and and for them to know that we're there for them and that is, you know, again, it's that thing of not trying to be the perfect uh, counsellor or the perfect psychologist. Just turn up and be there and just go with it and listen and love. And that give, we, we all can give each other cues, I think, of better ways of being in the world. Yeah, and I think, I, I think that's lovely. And I think that's something we all, I, I mean, I urge everyone who's listening to this to just take a moment when they are sitting down and, and what are they doing? Are they, are they sitting wasting their life away kind of in this treadmill of not really quite connecting to anything? And, and, be, and when you feel lonely, you don't want to reach out. I was reading no. about, you know, we went from FOMO, fear of missing out, to JOMO, which was joy of missing out. And then I read the other day, there's FOMU, which is fear of meeting up, because we, yeah. we're so used to insulating and isolating ourselves, we don't want to meet up. So even no. if they just take it slowly, you don't have to go straight yeah. into these big deep no. connections. No, and 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 start with those ones in the cafe, the barista, and that. Just just you know, it's just like um, getting into an exercise regime again. We've got to we've got to practice those connection muscles again, and we start little and. You know, if you see an elderly person on the street, they may or may be not be living alone. Just say hello and smile. Costs nothing. And I tell you, with the elderly people, I love doing that because the smile of surprise that they've actually been noticed. Mm. And that's all that's needed. Oh, I live and in Bondi. Everyone's young and good looking. So believe me, <laughs> when someone smiles back at me and I'm noticed, I'm really happy. <laughs> so yeah, let's urge everyone who's listening to notice what's around you. Don't walk through blindly. Really make an effort to make some connections with people because, and, 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 and you can admit to friends, you're feeling lonely. You're feeling, you know, a Absolutely. lot of us are a bit scared to say that we're not, everything's great. It, it's yeah. okay. And I love yeah. that. I love what you said. Just having a big time. It's a yeah. big time. It doesn't have to be a bad time. It's no. just a big time. It's a lot. Yep. I think that's yeah. terrific. Thank you so much. Um, I, as I say, I've got 1,400 other pages of notes. I could just keep chatting to you all day. But um, <laughs> I think we've, we've, we've sort of sk skimmed so. the surface there, Maggie. So um, yeah. I'll put all the details how to buy your fabulous book. There's lots of books that she's um, written, especially about teenagers and, and, and men and our sons and daughters. So I'll put it all on the show notes. But um, I'd Gorgeous. love you to come back Thank on the you, show, darling. Maggie. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Over and out. That's all the time we have. This podcast is brought to you by the fine people, well, me, at thinrichhappy.com. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to subscribe. Or if you really enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, which will help other people find the podcast. For extra podcast goodies, you can visit belesscrap.com.